Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. This is the Exxon Radio TV show with Rob McConnell on the Exxon Broadcast Network and our worldwide family of broadcast affiliates. If you have a question for Rob McConnell or his guest, or if you've had a paranormal experience, call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 0, or email xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On all social media sites, our one address is xzoneradiotv. Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And we're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Now, if you'd like to find out more about the Exxon Radio TV show, visit our site at exxonradiotv.com. On Facebook, Exxon Radio TV, and if you'd like to send an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. And of course, the Exxon TV channel, exclusive to Simul TV at www.simultv.com. For this hour, 
as we are doing the entire month of October, we're talking Halloween. We're talking about ghosts, hauntings, things that go bump in the night. But something else we're doing, we're not taking calls because I want to share one-on-one -on -one with my guests this month because these are hardworking, dedicated members of the paranormal community who go out and try to get the answers that so many people are seeking, and yet so few answers are being sought. My guest this hour is going to be Matt Rice, and Matt has been intrigued with all things supernatural since his first memories. Growing up watching horror flicks with a drive to explore and seek out mysteries, at a young age uh, he wanted answers. He would find himself at the local library checking out books about spirits and all things strange. Joining me now is Matt, and Matt, welcome to the X-Zone. Thank you for having me. Great having you with us. Happy Halloween. You too. How do you folks, uh, now you're in Virginia, I understand. Yeah. How do you, how do you celebrate Halloween? Uh, well, typically, being an adult, we would, you know, just get together and uh -huh. maybe have like a, an adult party, you know, where we dress up and, and things like that. But typically, because, you know, I'm a paranormal investigator, mm -hmm. we try to do things, you know, more spooky on that day, particularly. But what, what kind of things? Uh, just, you know, go to like a haunted location and, and do an investigation to see if October 31st has, you know, any kind of magic to it, I guess, for lack of a better term, you know, to see if maybe that day brings out more things than mm -hmm. a typical day. Now, a lot of members of the paranormal community and the Wiccan uh, community believe that the veil between this realm and the supernatural realm is a lot thinner. What is your uh, take on that? Uh, do you specifically during Halloween? Yeah, October thirty first. Um, I, I, me personally, I don't, I don't really think that there's a difference, um, whether it be that day or not. I think it's just it, it kind of is dictated on, um, the weather, uh, the atmosphere, um, just certain things that have to align for certain activity. I don't think that that day necessarily uh, triggers anything personally. Now, how did, how long have you been actually going out and doing paranormal investigations? So I started actually like seeking the stuff out um, with an intent. I would say in 2013, we did a couple of um, we like uh, small things. Mm -hmm. Went to graveyards, abandoned buildings. You know, just when we were starting out. Um, the first place that I actually went to that was a legit place, not just a graveyard, was uh, Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in uh, Weston, West Virginia. And that day, we kind of went into it with a skeptic mindset of, you know, seeing the TV shows and thinking it was all kind of over-embellished. And we basically went there with the intent of getting scared, hoping we would get something. But that night turned out to be one of the craziest nights that we experienced and from that point on I was hooked and I just wanted so many more answers and I just wanted to experience it so much more. Now is that when you formed your group? Uh well we were we were a group prior to that like I said we had done a couple of small things but nothing serious and then I decided you know let's let's go to one of these big places that we hear about on TV mm -hmm. and and actually be like a legit group and and that's that's basically what we did. So when you were at this uh, asylum, what happened? What was it that, that melded the, you know, the, the thought, the, the desire, the quest? So um, we, uh, 
for a lot of people that do this stuff, you don't realize a lot of the things you capture until you get back home and you review your your footage or your voice recorders and, and that stuff. But while we were there, we were doing what we would call live EVP. So we would uh, record a session asking questions. And then once we got done, we would listen to it back. And uh, it was me and another gentleman. We were in a seclusion cell. It was a female seclusion cell on the female side of the ward. Mm -hmm. And I asked a very simple question. Um, Is anybody in here with us? And clear as day, I have a female voice saying, yeah. Um, And that right there, I think we looked at each other and we were like, man, this is real. And, but we had no, I mean, we were locked in. There was, there was no getting out. You know, we were, we were there and, and, and that was that. But throughout the night, weird things would happen. I remember walking down the hall uh, with another gentleman and hearing a door creak open. We ran, we were scared. (laughs) Um, And because we were young Mm -hmm. and we didn't really for lack of a better term, respect the paranormal because we didn't really understand it. We did some things and said some things that looking back on it now, we shouldn't have, you know, we basically were approaching these spirits with uh, not so nice, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Basically, we were calling them out. And I watched a two-inch thick metal door in front of my eyes, just slammed the hardest slam I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I felt it in my chest. And my friend, he actually ended up uh, getting scratched 11 times. I don't know why it was 11, Hmm. but it was all over his uh, right uh, bicep. Just gnarly scratches all over his arm. And uh, I learned a lot that night um, on how to go about doing an investigation and what we should and shouldn't do. And Every investigation for us is kind of a learning curve. You know, there's not a right and wrong way to do things, but definitely I would suggest if you're going to go in there and attack things that you don't necessarily know what they are, just be careful and have the proper precautions because we definitely didn't. What kind of precautions are you talking about? Uh, Well, to each their own. I mean, that's all based off of what people's beliefs are. You know, um, me personally, I don't, I don't, um, do anything with like rocks, crystals, or um, sage, or any mm-hmm. kind of like herbs. I'm, that's more, I would say, on the pagan Wiccan side. Um, so I have my own faith structure, and basically I just ask, you know, the, my higher beings to protect me um, and just stand my ground. That's the best thing that, that I can do is just stand my ground, go in there with a pure intent, mm-hmm. um, and not try to antagonize things. And you really just, just stand your ground. I mean, that's all you can do. So you and your friends and other people were locked into this area. That's correct. Okay. The friend that, that received the 11 scratches, any idea why he was scratched? Uh, yeah, I've thought about that quite a bit. So he was the quiet one out of the group. Oh. And... Everybody else was the ones who were picking at this specific uh, spirit. She wasn't a good person Mm -hmm. in life. uh, So she definitely wasn't a good person in death. And we, not necessarily me so much, but a couple of the other people were really, (laughs) uh, 
they were voicing their opinion towards this entity. And I think he got the backlash because he was the quiet guy in the corner. And we were the ones that were all macho and he, he was standing back and he got the, the brunt of it, unfortunately. So would you say that, that your, your respect for the spirit world has changed? Absolutely. Now, the, the scratches on your friend's uh, shoulder, is it upper arm? Yes. Were they looked at by a doctor? Uh, no, they were not. So, um, like, I mean, you know, infection or anything? Uh, no, they, they weren't. They weren't to that extreme. Oh, I see. Okay. They, they were um, more like, it's uh, hard for me to explain for people that don't know, but I have a construction background. So uh, when I would tie rebar, uh, we would use this uh, thing called tie wire. And when you cut it with pliers, the tip of it's really sharp. Um, and it's, it basically looked like that, like a, like a cut that was so sharp that you wouldn't even feel. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Now, how many people were in that area with you? So we did a public investigation. So the building is massive. It's 252,000 square feet. Hmm. So there there's um, 40 people allowed for these public events, and there's four floors. So they break it up into four groups of 10. So there was four of us in my group, but we had another um, three that were uh, their own team. Uh, they didn't have enough people to fill the 10 slot. So we got lucky with us four, and then the other group was three. We never ran into each other at all that night. I mean, that's how massive this place is. So we would share floors. Um, and... Yeah, we never ran into him at all. So it was just the four of us. I mean, there was times where it would be two of us together and the other two would go off to the opposite end, that kind of thing. But most of the time, it was us four sticking together. How do you explain the fact, and this has always amazed me, that people, you know, your friend got scratched, something pushed that door slamming, and yet nothing is seen. How exactly. Do you, how do you explain that? Or how do you even try to explain that? That's 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 a tough question. Um, I would say out of all of the paranormal investigators that I've mm -hmm. come in contact with, a lot of them say they've seen full body apparitions. I will probably be one of the few people that will ever admit I have never seen a full bodied apparition. I cannot definitively say that I saw a ghost. Anytime anything has ever happened, it's always been random. Um, and you never see it coming. That's the scariest part about it. That's why a lot of people, when they start doing this stuff, they don't, they don't last because it's, it's like fishing. I mean, it really, really is. You're going out there with the intent to get something and you might not. Right. Um, that's just how it works. We don't have those answers yet. That's why we do what we do. Um, but when it happens, it just comes out of left field and I don't have an explanation for it. I really don't I wish I did. That's what you're seeking. That's exactly what I'm seeking. All right, stand by, Matt. You and I have to take our first commercial break. Exonation, our guest this hour is Matt Rice. And Matt is with, uh, let me see, Project pa uh, Project Paranormal out of uh, Virginia. Their uh, Facebook page is Project Paranormal VA. Wow, strange things happen to so many people, and yet still really no answers. But because of people like Matt and his, and his crew, his team, who go out, trying to get the answers. Someday, I believe we will know. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with Matt as we continue here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell from our broadcast center and studios 
in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, this is Halloween month. Send me an email. Tell me who you'd like to speak to. Or if you have any questions or if you'd like to contact one of the guests we have on, the email address is xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. We'll be back. Don't go away. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the mash He did the monster mash The monster mash It was a graveyard smash He did the mash It caught on in a flash He did the mash He did the monster mash wow. my love notari in the castle east wow. To the master bedroom Welcome back, everyone. This is the X-Zone. Our guest this hour is Matt Rice. And Matt, I, I hope I, re- I, I pronounced the name of your your team right. Uh, yeah, you did. It's Project Paranormal. Project Paranormal. And you're based in Virginia. And uh, do you do investigations just within the state of Virginia, or do you go outside the state as well? Uh, we go outside the state. So originally the group was Virginia Paranormal mm-hmm. Research. Um, and... I decided to change the name of the group um, and, and kind of the path and the direction that we were going in because we would go out of state a lot because our state uh, particularly doesn't really have a lot of paranormal places that they let you in. Virginia is full of historical places mm-hmm. and all of them have reports of hauntings, but the state itself doesn't want that to be associated with it. So it's really hard to do anything within the state. Um, so we would always travel outside, you know, we'd have our t-shirts and everything and people would be like, Oh, well, what are you doing here? So I basically got tired of hearing that and really wanted something to solidify what it is we were trying to do. And that's where we came up with project paranormal, but yeah, we go, we go all over. There's, there's nowhere we wouldn't go. Now in the first segment, we were talking about, uh, many things and very interesting, but tell me about the, tell me more about the EVP that you and this other gentleman were able to, to get, because I only thought EVPs could be heard after the event. Isn't it very rare that it's, that it's heard 
while the recording is being done? Well, they actually have devices that you can um, live hear. Um, some voice recorders actually have a, a feature built into them to where you can listen to the re- recording while it's like live. Um, but we, we, we actually did not, um, we weren't listening to it live. This was, we, we had asked a couple questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tried to keep it under like two minutes. And once you're done with the recording, you'll go back and you'll listen to it versus going home mm-hmm. and reviewing everything and that kind of stuff. So that's what, what we call a live EVP is we're listening to the, to the EVP session um, right after asking the questions. But, there, uh, but it is possible to, yeah. to listen to it live. Why is it that the audio on the EVP can be heard afterwards and not, you know, while the EVP is being made, if that makes sense? To be honest with you, I don't I don't have an answer for that. I mean, I've had scenarios where I'll be, you know, video recording mm-hmm. while I'm while I'm doing an EVP session. I will get uh, EVP that I don't pick up on the camera and vice versa. I will pick up something on the camera that I did not pick up with the voice recorder. I think it's all my my personal belief is I think this whole um, paranormal supernatural thing. I think it's all on frequency, and I think that that's why certain things can be captured on one camera versus another, or like I just example I just yeah. had, I think everything runs on frequencies, and that's why it's so hard for us to to catch it. Yeah, I you know, but here's the part I really have a, a problem understanding is if you can hear the object after, especially whether it's an analog or digital recorder. And if it's based on frequency, you should be able to hear it when it's being done. Yes, you should. Yeah, yep. it's strange, isn't it? It is. Where has been the most haunted place that you and your team have gone to do an investigation? Um, well, if you were to ask everybody in the group, I mm-hmm. think that they would all have a different answer. Um, they, they might not. Um, for me, it was um, Prospect Place or... Trinway Mansion, whichever you know it by, um, and it's in Ohio. And um, yeah, that that place. What I had happened to me uh, made me quit for a year. It took a year, um, and it it had stuck with me for that whole entire year. What happened? Uh, well, the place it's it's known for, it was, it was built for, um, during the civil war to help slaves, uh, travel up North. Mm -hmm. So the layout of this mansion was, uh, for that purpose, it had a tower, uh, that they would put a lantern up to let the slaves know that it was safe to come through. Uh, they had an area underneath of the building, the crawl space where, you know, people from the South were coming up, trying to take the slaves back. They would hide them and, it was a pretty neat place. It's actually uh, on historical um, society. What, it's was, registered as a uh, underground railroad facility. Yeah, right. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. So go on. And, tell me uh, about your your experience because this is interesting. It made you made you back off for a year and a half. Yeah. Um, yeah, it did. But this place it was it was it was known for a lot of I w- I would say positive things, not necessarily oh. negative. Abraham Lincoln actually uh, went to this place. Uh, it was a really beautiful uh, building. It it has a ballroom uh, that they say Abraham Lincoln has you know visited and all that stuff. So 
the building was vacant. I don't know off the top of my head. It's been so many years um, for, for quite a while. And I think what it was was around the 60s to the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, when it was abandoned, the occult would use the building uh, to for satanic um, practices and rituals. And it was reported that somebody went there and saw markings on the walls in the ballroom um, and said that the the whole property was full of nothing but evil entities. And a lot of people believe that there's a portal to hell um, in that ballroom. So it sat abandoned for quite a bit. And I want to say somebody took it over and then eventually... Uh, the great great grandson. I want to. I want to say. I could be wrong on that, but he actually. I don't think he does now because of health issues. But he actually took over the property, and he was, you know, trying to build it back up. He actually lived inside the the mansion, so it was the kitchen area that was cut off for his living area. But they've parged over these symbols that were in the ballroom, and put crosses to ward off this portal to hell. Now, keep in mind when you do paranormal investigations and you go to a lot of the places that I've been to, the word demon gets thrown around all the time. Even in the paranormal community, it's it's like a, the most popular thing. Um, so we went there with the intent of doing a typical investigation, knowing that there was rumors of this, but I've heard it every place I went to. So I wasn't really too concerned with it. And we don't pay attention to that side of it to begin with. So I wasn't really too concerned. So we go there and I'm filming a documentary. Mm-hmm. We're doing interviews the whole nine. And while we're doing that, we're hearing footsteps everywhere. Um, the activity was crazy before we even started doing the investigation. A guy that used to be in my group um, was with us. And he would not stop talking about demons. Um, We weren't even on that side of it. And he just would not stop. He just kept talking about it. And he said, um, I remember he said that, uh, you know, if we could figure out the name of this demon, we can get rid of it. And I told him, that's not how it works. Just because that's how you see it in the movies. That's not how it works. You are not a priest. You are, you are just a normal person. You, You have no control. And I told him to stop, just leave it alone. He wouldn't stop. I brought a Ouija board with me, which I shouldn't have, but I brought it with me um, because it is a tool. I wasn't going to use it. You know, I brought it with the intent to use it. But then when we were there, I I said, no, we're not going to use it. He was very focused on this Ouija board. He wanted to put it up in the ballroom um, and just leave the board on the ground with the the eye. And I told him, you can't that's you can't do that. That's against the rules. So basically we were outside and he kept going on and on about it. And I got very angry with him, very stern with him. And I told him, if you don't stop, you're going to have to leave the property because not only are you putting yourself in danger, but you're putting the rest of the team at risk. And we don't know what this is or if it's even here, but we don't want nothing to do with it. So stop. So when I said that, I would say a couple minutes went by. And the way that the house is set up, it has like a concrete stairs leading up to the front door. Uh, So there was five of us, including myself, there at the time. So there was four people on the stairs, and I was at the bottom of the landing. And 
I have this weird, uh, I don't, I don't even know if to call it a gift or an ability or I don't know what to call it. Um, <clears throat> but I see things in my head and I hear things, but I always thought that it was just in my head mm-hmm. and, um, going to these creepy places, it kind of makes sense. Right. So all of a sudden I get this weird feeling and my, my vision goes blurry. People are talking and I'm just in my own zone. And all of a sudden I see this entity come out of the door, opens the door, comes out, is on the porch. And I'm just focused on tunnel visioned on this entity. Everything else is blurry. I hear nothing. This entity just stares at me and it runs by me. I don't think it verbally said anything. I think it was more telepathic. And what I heard was something I never want to hear again. And right after that happened, I did not think that this was possible. Something took over my emotions, my body. I had no control. So within that second that that happened, I had the most anger in me that I've ever had in my life. And then within a split second, I went from that to utter sadness. And I did the most natural thing possible, which was to get away from the building. So I walked away from the building as far as I felt comfortable going. Uh, and it did not subside. So I got out the Bible and started reading scriptures. That's That was my security. Mm-hmm. It did not help. It did not work. And at that moment, that was the only thing I ever had for myself for protection. Never needed to go to it. But that was what I always told myself was, if anything ever got bad, you've got this. And when I went to my safe spot and it didn't work, I cannot express the amount of fear that went through my body. Knowing that something entered me without my permission, had total control over me, and I didn't know what to do. So I sat outside for quite a bit. And then I got the courage to go inside the building. Mind you, everyone's still doing their their own thing. I'm separate from people. I go inside and I just start yelling, whatever you are, you are not allowed to enter my body. You are not allowed to alter my emotions. You need to leave. You need to leave me alone. You are not welcome. Um, And I fell ill for about 45 minutes. I couldn't even stand up. I had knots in my stomach, um, almost like cramps, Um, you know, the, the feeling of needing to vomit. Um, as well as another member who was there. He was a kid. This was his first experience he ever had. This kid had severe ADD. He could not keep still. He was on the ground with me for 45 minutes. He wasn't talking. He couldn't move. Um, And I think what ended up happening was something was channeling through my friend. And when I cut that tie, it got mad. And it realized that I could see it. And it did what it did to me. And another member in my group, she's uh, she's basically the mother of the group. She said my face changed. She saw me staring at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said she knew something was wrong. Madam, and... we're going to have to have a cliffhanger here because I do have to take a break. So please stand by. Okay. Fascinating. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. Exonation. Matt Rice is our special guest, and he is the uh, founder and lead investigator 
of Project Paranormal. They're based in Virginia, but go all over the place. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break. And if you'd like to find out more about Matt and the project, visit their Facebook page, Project Paranormal VA. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It caught on in a flash. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. Wow. I love Notari in the castle east. Wow. To the master bedroom where the vampires feast. Wow. The ghouls wow. all came from their humble abodes wow. to catch a jolt. In a young girl's heart How the music can free her Whenever it starts And it's magic If the music is groovy And makes you feel happy Like an old time movie I'll tell you about the magic And the free your soul But it's like trying to tell a stranger About a rock and roll If you believe in magic And welcome back. Matt Rice is our special guest this hour. And uh, the name of his team is Project Paranormal and Explanation. You can find them on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash Project Paranormal VA. So here you are on the ground for about 45 minutes with, the, with another member, the youngest member, his first experience. Conti before we go any further, what did the, the, the entity look like? Oh, man. <clears throat> um, I know this is going to sound so cliche, mm -hmm. but uh, most people have probably seen the movie The Ring. Um, that's the best representation I can give you. So this entity, I would say, stood around six foot tall. Um, it was wearing a white gown, um, and the sleeves went to almost towards, like, down to the elbow, but not quite. Um, it had a V-neck. It was all like a one-piece gown, and there was no uh, patterns on it or anything like that. I could not see its face, so the hairline went from uh, where it would start, and it kind of just went down in a V-shape to where I could only see the nose, the mouth, and the chin. I could not make out whether it was male or female, but it felt very uh, female to me. Um, the arms, so it was a very pale entity. Uh, the hair was pitch black. Uh, the texture reminded me of like spider webs. It was okay. very natty. Uh, it was like it was wet, but it was dry at the same time. It's like if someone got out of the shower who had long hair, but they mm -hmm. didn't comb it. They just let it dry like that. And the arms from the fingertips up to about the elbow, um, it was very dark on its fingers. And it started to fade away the closer it got to the elbows. But it was like a black charcoal. And that's that's all I could see. I couldn't see feet or anything like that. You also said that you 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 believe that the communication between yourself and the entity was telepathic. That's correct, because I didn't see um, a mouth move, and when it passed me, it went by very very fast. And I think it might not have actually gone past me. It might have actually entered me because um, what it said to me and the way I reacted it would have made more sense for it to have uh, oppressed me. Um, so I don't think that I was under possession. Mm -hmm. um, there's there's stages of that. You don't just get possessed. You get oppressed um, and then possessed. Um, I was definitely oppressed by something. And uh, it was 
the scariest night of my life. Scariest night of my life. Why do you think it targeted you? I think because I, I, I saw it and it realized that I could see it. And also because I cut the connection between um, it and the other member of my team. Because that night he was acting very off. Um, like I said, to paint a very good picture, mm-hmm. he's the same one that got scratched 11 times. Oh he was gosh. the quiet guy. He was the reasonable guy. He was the guy who never outspoke and was vulgar towards anything. He was always there with a good intent. And the fact that he was on that side of the playing field that night was was odd to begin with. Um, I actually have footage of him. And don't ask me how, because I have no idea. So the Ouija board was what, where we kept all of the equipment in what we would call the nerve center. Um, the Ouija board was on a table. And I have I had a camera at that time that I spent a lot of money on. I didn't let anybody touch it but myself. Somehow, he ended up with that camera. And I have 45 minutes worth of footage of him just standing there filming this Ouija board. Oh we were God. never separate, never separate for safety. Um, plus, we had a job to do. We were investigating. So at no point would, would we be separated for 45 minutes. Um, and not only that, I would have never have let him carry my camera Um and yeah, so it's basically like um, like time missing, and I don't I don't know when it happened, but yeah, it's it's crazy. That whole night was crazy. What about the young man with ADD who was with you on the ground for that time? How how did he end up? You know, um, he kind of went in there with uh, thinking things might not be real, uh, a very childish mindset. Right. You know, kind of like what we were when we first started, very giggly goofy um and after he experienced that needless to say he was quiet for the rest of the night and he didn't even really want to continue nor go back into that building um we both actually recovered at the same time it was the weirdest thing now is he still investigating the paranormal uh as far i i couldn't tell you um he had connections with somebody else in the group and their connection got cut so uh, I have no idea. That was the first and last time I ever did anything with him. Is is this type of connection between an entity and, and someone like yourself during an investigation, is this common? I would say no. Um, no for certain people. Um, that That day right there, I think, is what solidified in my head to me that what I experience isn't just in my head, um, that there's something different about me. I think people that are more connected to that side yeah. are more susceptible to it versus your average Joe. I don't, I don't think necessarily that's the case, but um, it's really a 50-50, like you don't know. I mean, this is a very scary thing to get into. It's not, it's not what you see on TV. I was just, I was going to ask you, how different is what you and the, your, the members of your team do compared to a lot of the TV shows uh, that are out there. You know, the, you see the shaky uh, night shot vision. You, you see the expressions, you know, and, and you look at it and say, well, gee, it can't be real. Yeah. Well, I said the same thing when I first started, mm-hmm. and uh, I got proven wrong. I mean, granted, they are on TV, and it's probably over-embellished, um, but I would, I would certainly hope that they stay true to the evidence um, and just kind of put on a show. 
I really hope that they wouldn't alter things like that because that does nothing for the paranormal community. But I would say what separates us from a lot of other teams Mm -hmm. is we're not your typical group where we all sit in a circle and ask questions and and go talk to, to, you know, someone's grandmother and and those kind of thing, that, that kind of thing. What we do is we go to each location with a different uh, goal and we really do our, our research and our history on the places we go to to try to communicate with the supposed entities. And we also try to recreate uh, what other people have captured. And I think that the way that my team is structured, we, we tend to get better results than most. I don't know why. I think it's because we're so diverse. We're all, all of our ages are pretty far apart. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of it has to do with the emotion. So if you go into a place, and I hate to say it like this, but if you go into a place not scared and you don't have that adrenaline pumping through you, you're really you're not really a good battery to charge this place. So if a lot of people say if ghosts were real, they would be everywhere. You know, we have civil war yeah. battles here and there, and why aren't they? So then they must not be real. Mm-hmm. So for you to say that this building is haunted, but you go into it and nothing happens, I think it needs a battery. It needs a battery to go off of, whether that be your equipment or your energy. I think people are the best piece of equipment you can have. Um, I do it for multiple reasons. I do it for the fear factor because I'm an adrenaline junkie. I do it for the history, and I do it to to capture as much evidence as possible. And I and I would say what separates us really is we go after it. We run when we hear doors slam. We're running towards it. We're not running away from it. We're not sitting in a in a room, you know, trying to see what we can capture down the hall. We want to see it. That's why we go to a lot of these crazy places because you get more. Um, activity. You know, you have trauma in these hospitals, um, whether it be insane asylums, tuberculosis. You have a lot of people that weren't in the right state of mind um, that might not necessarily follow the same principles that you would. So therefore, they're doing things that most people would not. And you're, you're getting to see that crazy activity. You know, you're getting touched, you're getting scratched, you're getting pushed, you're seeing things fly across the room. Because you're at these places where trauma happened. And that's where you're really going to get the activity. So why do these, why do some spirits stay behind and others move on? I, 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 I wish I knew that. I, I think, I honestly, it's, it, that's, that's so hard for, for me to, to answer because I still ask myself the same questions. Um, for me, it's like when I encounter a child spirit, mm-hmm. I'm automatically cautious because I don't believe uh, children would would remain. They have no purpose to remain here. Um, and most of the places that I've gone to, when I do come in contact with a child entity, somewhere in the night, I encounter something not so good and don't really encounter much of the child spirit anymore. And and because, I mean, when we go to these places, you'll, you'll always hear stories of kids and all these things. And we really try to focus with that because you would think you would get more interaction with a child versus an adult who doesn't want nothing to do with you. Children are more friendly, um, but you might get a blip here and there of a child spirit and then you go after it and you get something totally different. I think that people stay around when 
it like if someone were to be murdered and not know that they had died or you know the civil war it was a bloodshed people die within a split second they didn't know that they died that kind of thing or somebody who wasn't in the right state of mind when they passed because most people especially back in the day had something that they looked at more than themselves whether it be god or or whatever um that they that they looked up to or that they worshiped or or what have you for lack of a better term so i think that most people when they pass they they want to go on because that's what they're that's what they're told is that there's something else so they don't want to necessarily stay here i think the ones that stay here are the ones that are truly truly lost or were too late or don't know how due to you know it happening so fast not due to natural causes do you or any other member of your team uh, help these spirits cross over do you interact with them do you try to get them to go to the light so that's another thing that i would say separates us from a lot of groups is am i allowed to cuss no okay so we're we're like um we don't we don't put on a show for anybody if i get a residential call i don't Mm -hmm. tell them i can fix it um i don't i don't try to feed them something to show that i'm I have all the answers because so, I don't. So you guys are a non-BS group. Exactly, exactly. Okay. So I tell these people, I'm a paranormal investigator. So my job is to go in and document paranormal activity. I cannot get rid of things for you. Depending on what it is, yes. Um, but I'm not a shaman. I'm not a priest. I'm none of those people. So if I encounter something that's outside of my belief system, I'm kind of out of luck in that in that scenario right so i tell them i go in there with the intent of documenting paranormal activity now whatever i document and whatever my conclusion is i can point you in the right direction for someone to help you but i'm i can't i cannot help you now when it comes to something excuse me sure when it comes to something that was living meaning it's had a soul i can help them with that that's what we call a spirit something that was once living and the easiest way to do that is to stand your ground. Tell them, this is my house. You are not welcome here. Do not give it the attention. Even though it may seem scary, get angry. You know, stand your ground. And it works every single time. Now, if it's something that was never living, I don't have the abilities to get rid of that. Not just anybody can get rid of a demon or or what have you. You know, these cryptids, these other weird phenomenon. You have to really devote your whole entire life to that practice for you to actually be good at it. It's just like any other trade. Your typical paranormal investigator does not have that ability. And that's where I think a lot of people fall short is they, they try to make themselves seem more than what they are just so that they can basically kind of put that on their resume and say, Hey, I'm this, I'm that. But at the end of the day, our job is to go in there, get the evidence and give it to the people who know what they're doing. Okay, Matt, stand by. I've got to take my final break. And Nation. Matt Rice is our special guest this hour with Project Paranormal. And you can find out more about Matt and his team on Facebook at Project Paranormal VA. Death has come to your little town. 
scary music for a scary month. Welcome back, everyone. This is The Exxon. I'm Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. And you're listening to us around the world on The Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and uh, Simul Radio. If you'd like to send me a, uh, if you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com and on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And of course, we're all over the internet as well. Matt Rice is our special guest, and uh, Matt, you have had one of the most frightening experiences as a paranormal investigator that I've ever heard on this show. Um, does the experience that you had with this entity haunt you? Um, <clears throat> mentally, not physically, yeah. Yeah, I still think about it uh, to this day, mm-hmm. um, and I'm kind of thankful every time I go somewhere I don't encounter it because... Um, like I said, for a year, um, it, it was, it was stuck with me for a year. Um, so thankfully I, I was able to, to get rid of it and, uh, free from it, hopefully for the rest of my life. But yeah. How did that experience change the way that you and your team do their investigations? Well, like I said, I almost quit for a year because I thought, you know, at that moment when I went to my safe space and mm-hmm. it didn't help that there was nothing I could do if I ever encountered something like that. So I kind of had to go through like a spiritual awakening and and really like uh, build myself back up and make myself stronger before going and doing this again. I don't think that there's really a way that you can prevent that kind of stuff. Just by doing this stuff, you're playing with, you're playing with something that you really don't really know what you're getting into. And you just you take that risk every time you do it. Then why would somebody get into what you and your other, uh, your team does and other teams do, if they're if they're not serious? Do they understand the the danger that they could be involved with? Do they understand what they could be opening up and what they can be exposing themselves and their families to? I I don't really don't think they do, and I think TV has a lot to do with that. They see it, they think it's cool, they want to be like you know that group mm-hmm. and. And, and I mean, a lot of people, I mean, it's hard to get evidence. It really, really is. So going back to the beginning, when I said it's like fishing, I mean, you'll go out all day and you might not catch a fish. So a lot of these people, they, they get weaned off of it because they go into it, they spend the money, they don't get anything out of it and they don't want to do it anymore. Or they have a terrible experience and they get frightened and they run off from it, don't do it anymore. And then you got the if you want to call us the stupid ones who stick around, you know, to try to get that evidence, to try to, you know, prove some answers and, and basically put our bodies on the line for, for entertainment Mm -hmm. and for answers. You know, I, I was a cop for a number of years and I did, I did surveillance work and I did criminal investigations and, and a lot of it sounds like what you in the paranormal community do because you watch the TV shows and, you know, the cops make three or four arrests in, in 20 minutes. But in reality, it's it's not like that. Right. You know, you've, got, not. you've got hours and hours and hours and days and sometimes even months of surveillance that goes into a case before the arrest. And I would imagine in your case as well, yeah, there's time that's involved and it's just like waiting. It's exactly what yeah. it is. It's a waiting game. Because you could go all night, if you're locked into a place for eight hours, you can go six hours with nothing mm-hmm. happening, and then for 15 minutes, the craziest things you've ever seen happen, and then they're gone before you know it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you never know. If, if somebody calls you to do a residential investigation, 
how do you proceed? Let's say I, I moved into you, into the area where you guys do your investigations, and I called up and I said, "Hey, Matt, it's Rob. Remember me from way back when? I think there's something going on in my house." And I and what do you guys do from that point? So I would ask them, uh, "What have they seen? Um, what time of the day was it? Uh, was there lights? Was it dark? You know, ask pretty basic questions. Ask how old the house is." Do you have any underlying medical issues? Uh, I always have to ask the question, are you under medication or mental problems? Um, you have to ask everything that could be explained before you even get into the supernatural aspect of it. Um, and I always tell them, I cannot tell you I can get rid of this, but I will let you know by me going into this house, I can make things worse. But at the end of the day, if you let me into your home, I will never abandon you. I will be a phone call away. I will make sure that I get rid of this entity. Or if we can't get rid of it, I'll be by your side through the whole thing. Um, because it is a scary thing to deal with. I personally don't want it at my house. And I go out and I do this for fun. So I can only imagine for somebody who has zero interest in it having to, to deal with it. So I totally feel for the client. Um yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm on their side. Now, let, let's say that all the answers are asked, answered to your, to your, you know, you're saying, okay, there's something there. You go to the house. What do you do once you arrive there, and how long do you guys stay there? So typically what we'll do when we first get there is see for ourselves if there's anything that can be explained, uh, whether there be loose wires, uh, do EMF meeting, uh, EMF readings all over the house to see right. if there's anything that's out of the ordinary because for most people they might not know but um emfs can actually cause you to hallucinate even with asbestos mold uh very natural things can cause you to react differently mm -hmm. it's basically you're in a charged battery and it's unnatural and it makes you see things that are unnatural or feel in unnatural way because a lot of the times people will say oh well i've never seen anything but i feel this horrible feeling well that can be easily explained so I go through after talking to them on the phone and hearing their side of the story. I go in seeing if I maybe can figure something out that is can be natural naturally explained. And if it can't, then then we go then we open that door and and try to talk to something and see if we can't seek something. And that's where the provoking really comes in when it when it comes to a homeowner's house, because that entity's there. He does. He does. He or she or it doesn't want um to be found out. So you kind of got to poke the bear to get a reaction. Uh, but we've been successful in every single one that we've done. And for anybody that, that is listening, mm -hmm. um, that maybe we have been to your house, they know that we were all, we're still a phone call away, even if it was five years ago. During the last break, you asked me if you could do a shout out. Uh, yeah. So there's a group on uh, YouTube and Facebook called paranormal quest. Um, you can find them at paranormal quest on Facebook or on YouTube. There's a member of that group. His name is Steve Hummel. Um, they're in West Virginia. He has a museum. It was actually one of the first paranormal museums in the States. It's called Archive of the Afterlife. You can also find it on Facebook. So he's under kind of a sticky situation where the building that he rented, uh, the city came in and said that no one was allowed to enter it again. They did an inspection and they said that it basically was condemned. Oh, so he has all of these artifacts in there that he can't even really go in and get right now. Um, and he needs to relocate. And because of COVID, 
all the money that he had made uh, kind of helped him through those months. And unfortunately, October is his biggest uh, revenue because of Halloween. And he's not able to let people into the museum. And he basically has he needs a new building yesterday. Um, so they have a GoFundMe type of thing. Uh, a link is on their Facebook page. So Paranormal Quest at Facebook. Um, and it's for Archive of the Afterlife. Um, and they're they're really good people. Um, and I just would hate to see, you know, something like that happen, especially everybody in the paranormal paranormal community. They really need to, you know, come together for for things like this, because it's not just about you and your team. It's really the whole big picture. And we need to help each other out. We need to be more of a community and and look out for each other. Well said. Very well said. And once again, what's the uh, their Facebook page is what? Paranormal Quest. All right. We'll uh, try and get the word out there for him as well on this end. Somebody's listening tonight. You've excited them. What is the steps that you would suggest people who want to get into the world of investigating the paranormal should be? I think you should talk to people who have been doing it for a little while before you really decide to go do it. But or you could be like me, you know, and just decide that you want to figure it all out for yourself. Uh, there's nothing wrong with with doing that. Just know that uh, it's not something to take lightly and things. It can be a very fun experience and you can capture tremendous activity. It'll, it could be the most exciting thing you'll ever experience. But at the same time within a flip of a coin, it could turn into your worst nightmare. And you have to, you know, have that in your mind that you're getting involved in something that you really know nothing about. And um, within the unknown, anything is possible. How do you and the members of your team feel with all these locations starting to charge paranormal teams to go in and, and investigate? I think it's a good thing because... It, you know, the money is supposed to go towards rehabilitating these buildings for future investigations or for future businesses or, or what have you. Mm -hmm. But uh, I do think a lot of these places charge a little bit too much, uh, but that that's up to their discretion. Um, it, it's very difficult to to get into this field because it costs so much money. And if you're a new team, you're not really going to get residential calls. And there's people in all states and cities that have majority of the territory so it's a very hard field to get into and it does cost a, a lot of money I, I think it's a good thing but at the same time i think it's bad so how does anyone listening know who they should call for help and who they shouldn't call for help if there are so many people out there well a lot of places have uh kind of like a Comic-Con, they have a paranormal con. So they'll have conventions mm -hmm. that'll be hosted at, uh, could be hotels or it could be an actual haunted location where they'll have vendors and people that speak during the day and they may offer um, a guided investigation at night. Those, those are some of the places that you could actually reach out to or you could, you know, go on Facebook and see if you can find some groups out there that, you know, have a good rating and people that have been in it for a while. But if you go to these conventions and, and things like that, you'll run into people who know what, they, what they're doing. They've been doing it for a long time. Do all uh, investigative teams like your team, uh, do they share information with other teams? 
No. Um, it's unfortunately I've encountered, this is just from my end. I've encountered, uh, not, I haven't encountered a very friendly community. A lot oh, of right. people, they want their name to be known for this evidence or, um, they don't really let new people in. They just kind of want their name. They want to be like the TV shows, you know, they, they want to be the, the people that everyone goes to and everyone talks about. And so somebody like me, I've been doing it since 2013. Mm -hmm. And for anybody who goes to the YouTube channel and sees the documentaries that we've put together, that's all self-taught. I do all that myself. Everything comes out of my pocket. I've spent thousands of dollars into this. And it's something that I'm passionate about that I, that I like doing. I like filmmaking. Um, and I like being able to put our projects into something for people to, to get, you know, entertainment. So I'm getting something out of it as well as other people. And plus people can see the evidence that we captured. And right. I, I haven't really been successful within it because like I said, within the community, there's, there's people who already have that and there's, there's no room. There's, you can't get, you can't get into something that uh, somebody's already established. They just, they're not very accepting, unfortunately. Hey, hey, Matt, I hate to do this, but the time has come when you and I must say so long for tonight. First of all, thanks very much for coming on the show. It's been a delight talking to you. I wish you and your team success, and I hope that we have the pleasure of having you on the show again. Absolutely. I had a great time. All right. Take care of yourself, Matt, and to you and your team, happy Halloween. You too. Take care, Matt. Exonation. Matt Rice has been our guest for this hour, and you can find everything about Matt and his team, Matt, on Facebook at Project paranormal va we'll be back on the other side of this commercial with the news at the top of the hour as we continue here in the x zone from our broadcast center and studios in niagara ontario canada send me your emails are you a skeptic or a believer x zone at x zone radio tv.com